Welcome to the New Freedom Church podcast. This podcast will help you grow deeper in your faith through weekly 30-minute talks. If you haven't already done so, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you get each new episode as it's released. Now sit back and relax as God speaks to you through this message. Well, last week we began our series on holy moments, the holy moments of Christmas. And it's, I think, important for us each year to take the well-worn and very uh, memorable and known story of Christmas and try to find a glimmer of something fresh, looking through a, a new lens, maybe some fresh eyes to see something about the story that maybe either we have forgotten or we just haven't quite seen it that way before. Last week, we talked about the, the uh, story of the birth of Christ in the gospel according to Matthew and how that through uh, one person's obedience, through Joseph being obedient to the call of God on his life, that he opened up a whole realm of obedience for so many other people. And he really opened up for us the opportunity of a Savior, Jesus, being born. Today, I want us to turn to the gospel according to Luke. And I want us to look at the word surrender. Everybody say surrender. Today, we're going to look at this word surrender. And Mary surrendered to the plan of God when she was visited by an angel. She was visited by Gabriel. And she surrendered to the plan of God. I want to read uh, several verses for you here, starting in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Here's the narrative according to Luke. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This act of surrender from Mary was so phenomenal for this young Jewish girl to receive this message, but then also to respond in such a way. And someone said one time that surrender is not giving up, it's simply letting go. Think of it, surrender is not giving up, it is letting go. It's giving unto God the due and just reward of his suffering, the suffering of Jesus. It is giving up our lives for the life of God living through us. Surrender is not just a one and done. It is not a single moment but rather it takes place moment by moment. Surrender isn't something that you just do one time. 
I, I, I will never forget. I'll never uh, erase out of my memory the testimony many years ago of an elderly saint in our church. Her name was Sister Bernice Gosney. And as she kind of made her way slowly on her cane up to the altar, she had something to say. And it was right in the midst of a Bible school lesson that I was teaching an adult Bible study many years ago. And she would speak with such authority and power, even though she was, she was old and uh, she was frail. But when she started to speak on behalf of the Lord, it was powerful. And I'll never forget her saying, children, she would always address as children, because really, she was old enough, we could all be her children. She said, children, there have been many occasions where I've had to walk that aisle and come to this altar again and again to lay it down to the Lord. And that has spoken to me all these years because many times we think, well, I've said the prayer, I prayed to God, I came to the altar, I knelt and prayed, and that's all I need to do, right? I, I surrendered. No, you need to continually, moment by moment, lay it down, give it to God, give it over to the Lord. Surrender is not giving up, it is letting go. Letting go of what troubles us, letting go of our burdens, letting go of our cares, our sorrows, our pains, and even letting go of our joy letting go of our hope, letting go of our happiness. Because if we keep it all in, if we contain all that joy, if we just hold it to ourselves and we never let it go, then no one else around us will be infected, infected by that joy, by that hope. But rather what God desires is that we become a conduit, a passing through line for that joy and that hope for someone else. And God also... Uh, would like us to be a conduit of the pain and the shame and the suffering and the things that are happening in our lives that we can't control. He doesn't want us to hold that in. He doesn't want us simply just to, to dam that up and keep it held up in ourselves. He wants us to let it go. He wants us to release that dam in our lives so that he can flow through the blessing and the goodness and all of that thing can come through us. And so surrender is not just a one-time thing. Surrender is a moment by moment understanding that God wants everything to flow through us and he flows it to us to get it through us so that others are affected by it. The scriptures tell us here that Gabriel appeared to Mary. Now this is, I think, uh, an interesting little fact of the Christmas story because Gabriel in scripture, we know, appeared to three people. Gabriel appeared to Daniel, to Zechariah, and to Mary. Now, when he appeared to Zechariah, this was six months prior to appearing to Mary. So in a short span of time, this angelic host comes and appears, this angelic being appears to two people within six months time and it both involved the birth of a very special and significant child. One was the birth, uh, the, the, the conception of John the Baptist and the other is the conception of Jesus. And so when we see this, we kind of have to take notice and say, okay, what is so special about this moment? What is so special about the angel appearing in these three occasions? Well, all three of them had a choice to make. They had a decision whether they would respond with surrender or they would say no to the plan of God. You know that you can reject the plan of God in your life. You can resist the plan of God in your life. You can stand pat and put your feet in concrete and never say, I obey or I, I release it to you. You can do what you want to do. However, you will never find peace. You will never find joy. There will never be a complete satisfaction until you release your will to the will of God for your life. So when I look at this story, I have a few questions. I have a couple of observations I just want to share with you for a moment here, too here. Number one is this. 
what if I still have questions before I fully surrender? What if before I take that plunge, before I jump out there in a leap of faith, what if there are still some questions in my curious mind? Anybody ever have a question or two? Lord, I, I hear what you're saying, but how is this going to work out? If I do this, what about that? These are questions that are logical for us to think and to, to ponder, to really examine and evaluate before we would take a step. And so even with Mary, we see that what we read here, that it's normal to have a question or two before you fully surrender. Mary, when she has this encounter with this angel, she doesn't fall on her face like the other people do. Uh, Daniel and Zachariah both just fell down and, and I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just uh, women are stronger than men. I don't know. Is, is that right, ladies? Women are stronger than men. <laughs> she didn't fall down on her face before this angel, but she did logically have some questions. And it seems that even Mary's question went to the place of, well, I don't think I'm the right person. When the angel came to Mary and, and announced this, she had this thought, I'm not qualified. You, you, you surely have the wrong person, God. God ever ask you to do something and you think, you talking to me? What, me? No, I'm not qualified for that. I don't have the education. I don't have the pedigree. I don't have the background, God, to do what you're asking me to do. In verse 34, it says, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I don't know a man? In other words, she's saying, I understand enough biologically how it works and I've not been intimate with a man, so I can't be pregnant. How can this be? You've got the wrong person. Mary's saying, um, angel, I'm not qualified. <laughs> I don't meet the qualifications. There, there are some stipulations to getting pregnant, and I have not done that yet. And so you've got the wrong person. And the angel responds to Mary's question, this very normal question, very natural question. But what was about to happen was supernatural. It was beyond nature. It was miraculous. And when God works in and through your life, Sometimes it is very natural, it is very normal. Your light will shine just doing the normal things that you do. But there are other times, hear me, there are other times when, when you look at what God is doing in your life, when you think about what God has asked you to do, it's not going to be done through natural means. It is through a supernatural intervention of God. God will come down and do something spiritually supernatural that you cannot even think or imagine. You cannot even ask or request what God is about to do. And this was exactly the frame that Mary was dealing with because God sees in Mary something she doesn't even see in herself. And oftentimes when God asks of us, when God puts a demand on our life, when God speaks to us and requires a surrender, he doesn't do so because he knows we can't do it. He does so because he sees in us what we don't see in ourselves. God sees more in us than we see on the outside and much more than others see. I, I think of a mother. I think of the mother relationship with a child. And regardless of how good or bad that child is in a certain uh, athletic event or, or maybe a competition, the mother sees the absolute best in that child. Anybody ever watch American Idol? especially those first few sessions before they get to the main season. And those singers will come in there and I think they do this for entertainment shock value. And you know good and well that the screeners already knew they can't sing worth a lick. They cannot sing, but they're some of the most fun and entertaining on the entire show. And when they get rejected from being on the show, you see them outside in tears and they'll say something like, but my mama said I could sing great. 
<laughs> mama is a bad place of advice to go through for your talent, okay? Because mama sees in you what nobody else sees in you. But can we just elevate moms here for a minute? Moms are being like God in that respect. Not that they're lying to their children, but they see the most talented singer. They see the best baseball player. Mamas see the best volleyball player. Mamas see the best possible about you that nobody else might see. And when God looks at you, he sees you meager and scrawny and weak and broken and not very skilled. And he says right there, that's the one, if they will yet but surrender to me, I will take all of that and make them something to be on display for my glory. But if we take all of our strengths and all of our talents and all of our wares and we bring it to the world stage and everyone applauds, oh, you are so wonderful, then who gets the credit? We've pat ourselves on the back. The scripture tells us that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness not in our strength, not when we're already at the top of the class, not when we're already the best. God's strength is made perfect in our weakness, that we are jars of clay, that we are vessels. And in these broken and earthly vessels, God has chosen to place his glory so that the works that we do might be on display to glorify the Father who is in heaven. Not our own works, but our surrendered broken lives given unto him so that all will glorify God. They'll see our works and they'll glorify our Father who is in heaven. Mary certainly was not qualified. Mary had some of the qualifications in genealogy and pedigree, just enough actually to qualify that way, but she was too young. She was uneducated. She, she was not at the socioeconomic rank to, to be recognized. Mary had so many things going against her, yet God beheld and saw something in her. God looked down and chose Mary because she was favored and blessed of God. And so the next thought I have is when we surrender to God's plans, it means that we carry out his instructions. If we're truly gonna to surrender to the plan of God, we will carry out what he said to do. Look at verse 38. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. I don't understand it. I can't calculate it in my mind. This seems foolish. It's out of nature. This isn't uh, what naturally or normally happens. This has never happened before. You ever heard somebody say, well, we can't do it that way because why? We've never done it like that. Well, God had never done it like this before and never has since and never will. And Mary questioned these things, but she quickly got to the place of saying, nevertheless, be it unto me according to your word. In other words, what she's saying is I receive it. I don't understand it. I can't calculate it. This doesn't make sense, but I receive it. Receiving is really hard in the American West. I would say in the Western world in general, receiving is very hard. Why? Because we work hard. It's embedded in the American dream that if you work hard, you'll get ahead. You'll set aside enough for you and your family, probably have a little bit extra to give. And so we think it's more blessed to be the giver. And so we take that verse and we say, oh, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, you know, the more blessed to give to receive is that it's nice having enough to give. But being a receiver is exactly the position that God desires all of us to be in if we are going to be obedient to his heavenly call. 
There have been times, a handful of times, that after maybe I've spoken or um, been in a ministry setting where someone may come up to me and they'll say, uh, Pastor, I, I feel like I've got a word for you. And they'll, they'll tell me something, they'll, they'll, they'll lay it out. And sometimes it just seems general and, and kind of obvious. And I'll say, well, thank you very much for that. And, and I, I appreciate that. At least they stepped out of the boat. Other times it seems divine. It seems supernatural. It seems spot on. I just had this happen to me about two years ago after preaching. Uh, someone came up to me and, and he began to, to share out of the abundance of what God had put in his heart while I was preaching. And he started saying things that only Holly and I had talked about like months earlier. And I began to get elated in my heart because I knew that God had used this vessel, this one individual, to give me a word of confirmation. And so I thanked him for it. I walked away. I haven't talked to him since. But it was a, a confirmation in my heart. And here's what I walked away saying. I received that. I received that. Yes, I bear witness with that. I received that. A few weeks ago, Caden and I were out eating. We had a little father-daughter uh, date, and we were out eating and unbeknownst to me, I, I get ready to pay the bill. And someone said, uh, the waitress said, no, someone already paid your bill. Some, someone across there, there's a man over there. He already paid your bill. And Caden, she smiled. She said, wow, that's neat. And I said, I receive it. I receive it. Now, I could have gotten real proud and said, no, I don't receive that. I want to pay my own way. See, this is the thing about God working through our obedience and our surrender is that when we can do it on our own, we're really not in a position of strength like we think we're really in a deficit. But when we have to acknowledge, when we have to rely on the Lord, when we have to acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways, then the Bible promises that God will direct our paths. When we can do it all our own way, maybe God's directing your path, but maybe he's not. Maybe you're directing your path. And for Mary, she got to the place of saying, you know what, if this is God's plan for me, I will carry out his instructions. And Mary's surrender became a fulfillment of prophecy. Let me show it to you in Isaiah 7. This is a fulfillment of what was said hundreds of years before. The prophet Isaiah said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us, shall call his name God with us. Mary's surrender and following of God's instruction fulfilled biblical prophecy. Now, from the last account of the Old Testament prophet Malachi, if you go to the Old Testament, you can see the last book is Malachi. From Malachi to the beginning of the New Testament, there are 400 years of a break in the revelation of God. They call it the 400 years of silence. And, and it's the 400 years of silence because there were no new scripture being written in that time. There was no divinely inspired works that we find in the word of God. 400 years of a gap of a lack of the word of God coming forth from Malachi to the beginning of the New Testament. And Mary having a visitation by the angel just six months after Zechariah was a break in that 400 years of science. Now, 400 years of silence is a long time. Somebody say amen. I mean, you and I get a little discouraged if our prayers are answered in about 14 days. Come on, Lord, I did a 21-day fast. Why didn't you answer me, right? 400 years of silence was broken within a six-month span right here by the angel coming to Zechariah, prophesying the birth of John the Baptist through his wife Elizabeth, and then also coming to Mary to prophesy to her the birth of Jesus. 
And Mary's surrender was key to that break in the silence. I wonder if Mary had not surrendered, if she had not said, be it unto me according to your word, what would have happened? What would have ensued? Well, I believe that if God can make the rocks to cry out and praise that he don't need us, then he didn't need Mary, so he could have risen up somebody else. But this was God's plan. Mary surrendered to the plan and she gave this obedience. And here's what I wanna say. Perhaps your surrender to God is a pathway for others around you to also surrender to God. Hear me. Maybe you listening to the voice of the Lord to do that hard thing, to do that thing that's uncomfortable, to follow through and to, to stick your neck out there and to get out on that limb and, and be, I don't know, this is uncomfortable. Maybe your surrender to God's plan will open up a pathway for people all around you to then also surrender to God. But don't get discouraged if you don't see immediate results. Don't get discouraged if you don't see the harvest right now because the Bible tells us that some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. There may be seeds of faith that you're sowing to your family and people around you, your coworkers. You may feel like you're not a credible witness and no one's ever said yes to God because of your uh, obedience to God. But here's the thing that you need to know. You are not promised, dear Christian saint, to see the results in your lifetime. You are not promised to see the harvest while you're yet living. But be sure of this, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, that what he said he will do. His word never ever returns void to him. So perhaps your obedience, your surrender to God is a pathway, is a seed sown and somebody else will come and water that seed. I talked to, to people numerous times, they're, they're just distraught that their family members have not yet come to the Lord or they're, they're really burdened and grieved because they, they maybe raised their, their children in church and they've not ever come to the faith. And the encouragement that I can share with people in that case is that just keep sowing, keep planting, keep watering. It may be that someone outside of your family, someone unbeknownst to you will come and they'll water that seed and they'll see the harvest. And that's okay, we rejoice anyway, don't we? We rejoice anyway, God has his own way. And sometimes when you surrender to God, I'm not saying every time, but sometimes when you surrender to God, he is gracious to provide a confirmation. Now, now what is a confirmation? A confirmation from God is that little knowing on the inside, that little smile that you get when you recognize, some even call it a God wink moment. It is a confirmation of what I've always treasured in my heart has come to pass. The desire that has been planted is now fulfilled, a confirmation. Uh, now there's a big debate in our day about when exactly does life begin? And this is a, a story of incarnation, but it's also a story of conception and of birth. And so we see in, in this, this Christmas story, an answer to this raging age old debate. I don't know if, if everyone saw that uh, several years ago, a, a very famous senator from California uh, was asked and pressed on this issue, when exactly does life begin? And she really kind of stumbled and faltered and wasn't really able to give a, a good conclusion because she was really of the persuasion that she wanted to, to allow for abortion all the way up, even to the point of birth. And she finally spurted out, she said, well, life begins when the parents take the baby home from the hospital. Wow, a senator, United States. You can Google it up. You can check me out on that. This is fact. But we get a little glimpse of when life actually begins right here 
from the Christmas story. But let's, let's go back and look at Luke chapter 39. It says, and when Mary got ready and hurried, everybody say hurried, to town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Now, this is her cousin, Elizabeth. Remember, the angel appeared to Zechariah and said, your, your wife who is elderly, she's beyond childbearing age, she's barren, she is going to have a son. We know that that son became the name we know, John the Baptist. So this is Jesus' cousin. So this is Mary's cousin, Elizabeth. Now look at verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now watch what happens. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child that you shall bear. Mary had just received the word from the angel that she was going to be con conceived of by the Holy Spirit. She hurried, so this is about a day or two later, she hurried to go see Elizabeth to get a confirmation of what the Lord had told her. And when she arrives, Mary's baby leaps, uh, I'm sorry, Elizabeth's baby leaps inside the womb. And, and Elizabeth confirms to Mary, the child which you have and are gonna be born shall be great. Look at, look at what hap happens here. So in this case, it's at least one or two days later. I believe that uh, at conception is when life begins. We can see that time and again in scripture. But even if someone doesn't want to go there, you can say that this was already conceived in Mary. This baby was already conceived. And so from a day or two of this angel's announcement, this very early life begins for Mary. And then this visit with her cousin Elizabeth is a gracious confirmation that Mary indeed did hear from God. I mean, a day or two later, Mary doesn't have the pregnancy bump. Mary doesn't have the morning sickness. There's nothing that is, is proof positive that she's even pregnant. But when she goes and visits Elizabeth, immediately Elizabeth's baby leaps in the womb and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. These two unborn children are in a sense communicating to one another. This is pretty fabulous, isn't it? It's pretty miraculous. Confirmation may not be as pronounced as this. This is pretty pronounced confirmation. And in my own life, there have been times where God has granted a confirmation of something that I needed in the moment. And, and when, when we receive this confirmation, you're gonna walk away with a sense of, it's gonna be all right. It's all gonna work out. God's gonna take care of this after all. I don't have to figure out all the twists and turns. That's what a confirmation does. A confirmation doesn't make an easy path, it makes an easy heart. And when you receive a confirmation from God, there is something on the inside of you that no one can talk you out of the word you receive. When you receive a confirmation from God about an instruction he has given you, then it doesn't matter come hell or high water, you're gonna go through with the plan. You're gonna do what God has said to do because you know in your heart, you know on the inside that God is faithful to his word. And then this is the last question I have is that surrender may be preceded by, why me? Why me? And many times when something bad happens to us, I think it's normal for us to throw up our hands and say, why me? Uh, you know, when, when things don't turn out the way that we would like them to, it's very normal for us to just feel all alone abandoned, like we got the short end of the stick. And we many times will question this, why me? 
But let me turn the tables on you just a minute. From this, from this story, Mary gets an announcement of this great blessing. Mary receives this grand proclamation from an angel that you have been chosen, you are favored of God, you are highly blessed among all women. And Mary says, why me? Okay. At the news of this great blessing, Mary doesn't say, well, of course me. I've been righteous. I've been living right. I've been going to church every Sunday. I've been paying my tithe. Of course God would choose me. I keep all the rules. No, Mary said, but why me? I'm not qualified. I don't pray every day. I haven't read my scriptures like I should all the time. I haven't obeyed all the laws and the commands. I have said things I shouldn't have said. I've talked in gossip. Why me? Why would God bless me? And I think that we can learn a lesson here, church, is that there are times when the goodness of God descends upon us and instead of taking credit for all of the blessing, we would simply look back to God and say, I don't understand it. I don't earn it. I can't, I can't deserve this. Why me? But be it unto me according to your word. So instead of always questioning God's plan for the things that go bad in our lives, what about if we with humility will sometimes look to heaven and say, God, why me? I don't deserve this. I'm not worthy of your love. I'm not worthy of your grace, but nonetheless, I receive it. I accept it. I know I can't earn it. And Luke 1.43 says, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Mary was confounded by this announcement. And with a simple act of surrender, she gave her prerogative to God. Instead of her desires, instead of her will, she said, your will be done, Lord, what you want to be done. And so I wanna to say to you that surrender is not the thing of a moment, but rather it is a momentary thing. It is a constant renewal of laying down my life for the will of my Father. It is surrender a way that we live. It is a way of life for the believer. Surrender isn't one act, it is a lifestyle. And so I have a question for you today. Are there some things in your life that you've been trying to figure out? Are there some things in your life you've been trying to work out, you've been trying to plan it through? You have been frustrated, you've been upset, You've not ever seen the breakthrough like you'd hoped that it would happen and you're exhausted trying to control the outcomes. If there is something that is interrupting your sleep, that is dominating your mind and you're trying with all that's in you to figure it out, then I wanna invite you to do something today. I wanna to invite you to surrender. I want to invite you to give it to God. I wanna invite you to bring whatever that is today to the foot of the cross, to bring it to Jesus. With heads bowed and no one looking around, they're getting ready to play this worship song. I wanna say that these altars are open. This is a time that you can come before God with true humility. You can come before God with surrender. You say, but pastor, can I do that in my seat? Well, yeah, you can. You can surrender right in your seat. Watching us online, you can surrender right there. But there's something about coming to an altar. Children, many times making that trip to the altar, like Sister Gosney said. And so these altars are open. If you have something to surrender, do it today. In modern terms, we think that surrender means we've lost. 
But in spiritual terms, surrender means you just won. When you give it to God, you win. Let's worship together.